and welcome to the Re-Re-Read podcast, where we discuss what contemporary writers like you and me can learn from classic literature. It's a special day here at the Re-Re-Read because we are about to start a new novel. In this case, get it, case, our new novel is The Hound of the Baskervilles by Arthur Conan Doyle, and the topic is How to Establish Character Through Dialogue. Before we begin, I should mention that I have read only one story by Conan Doyle, which is this one. However, devoted listeners to this podcast may have noticed my overall fondness for detective stories, spy stories, ghost and or vampire stories, and my special fondness for stories that combine two or more of these elements. Also, I have spent many hours watching both Jeremy Brett and Benedict Cumberbatch portray Sherlock Holmes, and I saw the first Robert Downey Jr. version on a plane. This one was better than I expected, but there was little attempt to make Downey's character Holmes-like, at least as I have come to understand him. Jude Law's Watson is another matter, as today's rumination will, I think, bring out. And there are dozens, if not hundreds, of other portrayals. What I wish to stress here is that I'm coming to this novel with a bunch of preset expectations and at least some general knowledge about the characters, as is likely true of just about everyone who's had any contact with Western culture. Sherlock is an icon on a par with, I don't know, Santa Claus, and Watson is his humble sidekick and sounding board, as well as the documenter of Holmes's exploits. But what is that genius-sidekick relationship actually like? In fact, it's quite nuanced. Hound starts off with Holmes challenging Watson to use his system to deduce as much as possible about the owner of a walking stick which has been left behind in their apartment. Watson gamely offers that it likely belongs to a country doctor and deduces from the inscription on the stick that it was given to the doctor by a hunting club. Holmes then bathes Watson in backhanded compliments. Really, Watson, you excel yourself, said Holmes, pushing back his chair and lighting a cigarette. I am bound to say that in all the accounts which you have been so good as to give of my own small achievements, you have habitually underrated your own abilities. It may be that you are not yourself luminous, but you are a conductor of light. Some people without possessing genius have a remarkable power of stimulating it. I confess, my dear fellow, that I am very much in your debt. He had never said as much before, and I must admit that his words gave me keen pleasure— for I had often been piqued by his indifference to my admiration and to the attempts which I had made to give publicity to his methods. I was proud, too, to think that I had so far mastered his system as to apply it in a way which earned his approval. He now took the stick from my hands and examined it for a few minutes with his naked eyes. Then, with an expression of interest, he laid down his cigarette and carrying the cane to the window, he looked over it again with a convex lens." "'Interesting, though elementary,' said he, as he returned to his favorite corner of the settee. "'There are certainly one or two indications upon the stick. It gives us the basis for several deductions.' "'Has anything escaped me?' I asked with some self-importance. "'I trust that there is nothing of consequence which I have overlooked.' I am afraid, my dear Watson, that most of your conclusions were erroneous. When I said that you stimulated me, I meant, to be frank, that in noting your fallacies, I was occasionally guided towards the truth. Not that you are entirely wrong in this instance. The man is certainly a country practitioner, and he walks a good deal. In this exchange, Conan Doyle conveys the light S&M dynamic that has clearly been going on between these two for some time. Watson, habitually humble, is embarrassed to admit to us, his readers, that Holmes's words give him keen pleasure, especially in light of his usual indifference to my admiration. He strongly desires Holmes's approval and seems further driven to seek it the more Holmes dismisses him. Of course, this means that he can't or won't listen too closely to what Holmes is actually saying to him, which is more along the lines of, thank you for being such an idiot. If you were smarter, I couldn't use you. 
In fact, I myself was a little caught up in rooting for Watson to receive some genuine praise from his hero. It wasn't until Holmes announced that most of Watson's conclusions were erroneous that I went back and marveled at the blithe condescension of Holmes's compliments. Watson is a little stung and seeks reassurance, which Holmes rather patronizingly gives him. Then I was right. To that extent. But that was all. No, no, my dear Watson, not all, by no means all. I would suggest, for example, that a presentation to a doctor is more likely to come from a hospital than from a hunt, and that when the initials CC are placed before that hospital, the words sharing cross very naturally suggest themselves. So Watson, his head duly patted, is back in line, ready to be slapped down again. We've got some serious codependence issues here. But this is precisely what makes these characters more than just a smart guy and the admirer of the smart guy. Watson makes an especially poignant stand-in for us readers. We see that the admirer's admiration, while genuine, also costs him emotionally. In this, we feel for him, because admiration is not always pure or purely rewarding in real life. Watson is the unrequited lover, hurt by Holmes repeatedly but unable to quit him. This is an interesting analogy for readers of fiction generally. Like Watson, perhaps we too want something from literary characters, love or at least acknowledgement, that they are utterly incapable of giving us. We are so close to them, yet they elude us in the end. Through this early dialogue, Conan Doyle has given us an emotional investment in the mystery that we'd otherwise be lacking. Why should we care right from the beginning about the provenance of this walking stick? Because of Watson's and Holmes's own personal investments in knowing around which their whole relationship is structured. This relationship raises and complicates the emotional stakes of deduction, which would otherwise be a purely intellectual exercise. So about Jude Law as Watson perhaps because he's just too gorgeous to play it otherwise, Law eschews the fond, slightly doddering exasperation of other Watson portrayers. Law plays him sharp and witty, and he gets seriously pissed at Holmes, rightly raising the question of why he sticks with him.